Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to our podcast. So on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit. This is going to be a multiple-part series, and of course, you'll see in the title of this podcast or this YouTube uh it's not really a video, but I put all my podcasts on YouTube as well. You'll see that up in the description or in the title that of which part you're dealing with. This is part one. We're dealing with part one of Article 220. And I want to talk about the changes that are taking place for the 2020 National Electrical Code so you can kind of be aware and abreast of what's coming. And so I wanted to break it down so it's a little easier for you to follow and increase the odds that you'll listen all the way through in order to get this real important information on all these changes. Uh, some parts are going to be a little longer than others because it's really a lot of detailed changes. And it's going to take a lot of um, additional explanation uh, to help you understand it. Um, but we're going to get through it the best we can. And I will remind you, my only um, advertisement that I'm going to do for this episode is that we do have a 2020 National Electrical Code Change Series. It's a publication that's coming out every month at the first of the month, about the 10th of the month. Um, that will be sent out to you if you subscribe to it. You do have to pay a fee. Uh, you can you can purchase it per episode uh, or per issue, I should say, or you can get a monthly annual subscription, which is the cheaper route to go. Uh, and in it, you'll have five to eight uh, code changes with detailed explanation and commentary in graphics where necessary to depict the change. Uh, and it'll just automatically come to your email, whatever you subscribe with uh, every month. Uh, and you get to keep these and put them together and... They're like a newsletter, uh, and um, it'll be able to kind of give you the changes in a way that you can, in a palatable way, instead of just getting a book and reading from the, and trying to drink from the garden hose. We're going to kind of teach you through it in this series uh, and be able to, and there's going to be clickable links in there, and some of the links will be clickable to videos or podcasts that might go into more detailed explanation that you can't put to print, and so that's what's unique about it is it's interactive. And we are really excited about the um, the agreement we made with King Royal Publishing Group. Um, not real known for the technical stuff. I think they basically do um, religious work. Or whatever. I wasn't familiar with them until they contacted me. And again, they're still hard to, to pinpoint. Um, but at the end of the day, I control 100% of how it's produced. So it really doesn't bother me. And it forces me to put together a body of work that I can share with you. Uh, and so all they get is the rights to the final product uh, when it comes to putting it in book form at the end of a year or end of our agreement, if you will. So um, we're working on that. And uh, if you're interested in that, visit our website, masterthenec.com, and you can subscribe to that. All right, so we're going to look at part one of Article 220. We're going to talk about the changes a little bit and to see how it's kind of evolved uh, based on the 2017 code into the 2020 code and make it a little easier to kind of palette and take in and, and get a better understanding of it. All right, so there's no significant changes to 220.1, the scope. Again, we're in the general part one. Uh, it says this article provides, now it was a change in 2017. We added some words, provides, and, and things like that. But 
uh, for 2020, there really isn't any changes. No need to mess with something that's already done. We don't need to tinker with something that's not necessary. So uh, 2020, it's important that we understand that we're still needing to know the scope of what Article 220 is dealing with so that we don't find ourselves working on some type of article that really doesn't apply. That's the first mistake I see people that are just learning the code. They go into some specific article or, or specific section and they realize that the scope would have said, you don't need to be here. And they're still in there and they get lost and they're searching around. Uh, so always make sure the scope of the article is what you're trying to achieve and it inside the scope meets the intent of what you're looking for. So in our case, we're going to look at that first and it says the scope of 220. This article provides requirements for calculating branch circuit, feeder, and service loads. That's why we're here. Part one provides general requirements for calculation methods. Okay, sorry, general one provides the general requirements. Part two provides calculation methods for branch circuit loads. So if we're dealing with the branch circuit calculations for whatever reason, we're going to be in part two. Now part three and part four provide calculation methods for feeders and service loads. Now you're going to get specific instructions under part three for the standard method. All right, and that's how you calculate for feeder and service load calculations. And of course, part four is going to be an optional method. You can take the larger, uh, you take whichever is the lesser of the two, you're per permitted to do that. Uh, and so when you do that, all right, you're going to, to, to also have a neutral calculation. And so your neutral calculation, one thing to always remember is that the neutral calculation always has to be based on the standard method and not the optional method. So while you might do a standard calculation under part three, and you do an optional method under part four. The optional method results in a smaller service, smaller conductors, everything associated with it. At the end of the day, the neutral calculation, you're still going to have to do a standard in order to be able to come up with the neutral conductor sizing uh, in order to do that. So just remember that. Um, but you can use the whatever results in the smaller of the part three or part four for your feeder or service load calculations. Have at it. Just remember when you're doing the neutral, you have to fall under the part Three, which is the, the standard method. Uh, and then, of course, if you're doing the dwelling, uh, excuse me, if you're doing family, um, I keep saying family, if you're doing farm load calculations, you're going to be under part five, okay? So that's dealing with farm loads. Now, remember that if you have a dwelling unit that falls, say, on a farm, uh, then it's going to fall under the, the standard method or you have a calculation for farm dwelling only that falls under the optional method as well. Uh, and to that, you'll also notice that there's a figure in your code book and that figure is uh, 220.1, okay? And the 220.1, and you'll see there's a bunch of lines connecting everything. And it's just to remind you that part one is general. It feeds part two, which is branch circuit and load calculations. And from there, you've got three branches. You can go straight to a farm load calculation, or you can go to part three, or you can go to part four. Uh, and then, of course, you notice how the neutral load in the graphic, it's placed right in the middle of part three and part four. That means that regardless of whether or not you do the part three or part four, you still have to follow the rules in 220.61 for neutral load calculation. And that situates itself directly in part three. So that kind of tells you that you can't use part four uh, when you're dealing with the neutral loads. You're going to be, be held to doing a calculation under part three in order to be able to come up with those values to be able to apply this. All right. And then, of course, you'll notice that down below part three or part four, you have what's called the family, uh, farm 
dwelling unit only, uh, or dwellings only, and of course you'll get some guidance under part three or part four for those. And it furthermore goes down into what's called the part five farm load calculation, okay? Which you could have, if there was no farm dwelling units on it, you could have gone from part three and dropped straight down into part five and done that farm load calculation, okay? So this is kind of a pictogram, it's a figure, that kind of shows you the flow, if you will, okay? In case you ever get lost in the flow. The next we're looking at is 220.3. This is other articles for specific purpose calculations. Now, what are we talking about? Now, we have our calculations that are going to follow in the, the article 220, but on occasion, there's going to be a specific purpose calculation that's going to be necessary that you're going to be able to have to go do under another certain article, okay? And you need that direction. And that's a separate calculation to take place. And I'll give you an example here in a second. But let's read what it says here because we need to know what it's just giving us a reference to other articles throughout the code that might have a specific calculation that needs to take place that would be in addition or something that supplements what we might do here under 220. All right. And when we look at that, it says table 220.3 shall provide references for specific purpose calculation requirements not located, again, not located in chapters 5, 6, or 7 that amend or supplement the requirements for this article. So what they're doing is they're going to give you a list and there's going to be something that's different, whether we're talking about the branch circuit, whether we're talking about the feeder, whether we're talking about motors, whether we're talking about conductors uh, or branch circuits that are over 600 volts or feeders that are over 600 We're going to get some guidance that's going to be maybe different than what's in Article 220. And this is a neat list to tell you. It's to remind you. Okay. And let's use the two. I'm going to use the full spectrum of examples. I'm going to shoot with the top one and then we'll go to the bottom one. For example, when I'm dealing with a specific purpose calculation and I got an air conditioning and refrigerating equipment, you have what says branch circuit conductor sizing. And you'll see right here. So we have the general sizing requirements that we're going to follow under part two of this article. However, there are some guidelines and some requirements that are going to be in part four of article two, uh, excuse me, of article 440 that we're going to follow for air conditioning and refrigerating equipment, brand circuit conductor sizing. Most notably, nameplate applications and, and, and all those for this air conditioning equipment that could change the size or overcurrent protection for a size of conductor or what have you based on something that's in Article 440, most notably Part 4, that would be different than what's in Article 220. You, you get me? So that's the thing that we have to consider. So we might have to go there for that. And again, that's dealing in Part 4 and 440 when we're dealing with branch circuit conductor sizing then we might have to do something that would be different than what we do here in 220. Now, all the way to the last one, which is storage type water heaters. Again, the specific purpose calculation reference here for a storage type water heaters is 422. That's article 422. And it also tells us that section is 422.11, and it's dealing with part E. Now, you've got the general rule that are in 220 that we're talking about today, but there's something for storage type water heaters that's gonna have some kind of calculation that you have to take into account that is different 
Okay, and what is that under Part E of 422.11e? And this is unique because this is dealing with the single non-motor operated appliances. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a storage type water heater. So it is a non-motor operated appliance. And it's just saying, okay, you know what? You have the general rules in Article 220 that you got to follow for calculating. But you know what? It's an appliance and it's a single non-motor rated appliance. We might have to do something different. And here's what it says. If a branch circuit supplies a single non-motor operated appliance, such as a storage type water heater, the rating of overcurrent protection shall comply with the following. It says, number one, not exceed the marked, uh, not exceed that marked on the appliance. Number two, not exceed 20 amperes if the overcurrent protection rating is not marked and the appliance is rated 13.3 amperes or less, or not exceeding 150% of the appliance rated current if the overcurrent protection rating is not marked and the appliance is rated over 13.3 amperes, where 150% of the appliance rating does not correspond to a standard overcurrent device rating, uh, ampere rating, the next higher rating, uh, next higher standard rating shall be permitted. Okay, so all it's really doing is say, you know what? We know some values here. We know some ampacity values here. We know some conductor sizes that are required to serve these amps are here. It is something that might send me somewhere other than what we're going to talk about in Article 220. And all this is doing is giving you the guidance as such, okay? So, I mean, you could have a, a value that we're going to cover in a calculation, a general application, uh, but there is something that might require a special calculation, and that's what this table does. So you'll see that there's a number of items here. They're all going to fall uh, in Chapter 2 and Chapter 4. Um, I don't believe there's any and any other than that that's on this list, but there you go. Those are specific purpose calculations reference. Everything else would fall under 220, but here are some special purpose calculations, okay, and their references. Uh, and uh, with that, we, we did get this as well. This is, this is not anything new uh, that was in the uh, 2017 code. Uh, nothing new um, in there, so... Nothing additional. I don't see anything else that's that's been removed out of it, so doesn't see any difference there. Okay. The next thing is the calculations 220.5. Now, a lot of people want to know where do we get the the actual nominal system voltage for applications. Now we know that we work with motors. We're dealing with what's on the motor, so it's 115 uh, you know, 115 volt. When we're dealing in the full load current in 430.248, 249, and 250 tables, we're going to use that in order to find the FLC, and that's an ampacity value that we're going to work with. Um, but in the general, we're, it tells you above that table that even though these are the values for the motor, the nominals are still 120, 120, 240, 208, 120, 240, 347, 480Y, uh, 270Y, 347, and in 600 volts shall be used. So if you look at 220.5A, it gives you all the voltages that we're going to use throughout the code, most notably for calculations. Not the amount that we read from the meter, the actual value that we're going to use here. 
Okay? Just remember, again, when we're doing motors and we're doing a motor calculation, we need to find out what the FLC is, and when you can watch my motor video, then we're going to use the value that's given us either in the exam or that's given us on the motor in order to come up with the selecting of the amps. But at the end of the day, when we start compiling all that and determining what conductor size is and all that we're doing with, then at that point, we're actually going to use the nominal value of what we're talking about with that system. All right, so you get a list of them here. Uh, for exams, I usually tell people to highlight it, provided the code, uh, your jurisdiction, or whatever your testing uh, agency allows you to highlight and mark. Uh, I just like people to remember that's what we're dealing with. All right, and then, of course, under 220.5 uh, calculations, we're dealing with B, which people tend to forget, and that is fractions of an ampere. What are we talking about? When we're doing calculations... Um, and whether we're, we're calculating and we're trying to find what the, the, what the ampacity is and wherever that value is, we round up or we can drop a certain number of, of decimals. Um, it's important to understand how this applies. And I'm going to show you an example where it doesn't apply that will save you a lot of grief in how to do this fractions of an ampere application. Now, calculations. And we're talking about this is actually the general, so it applies to all of them here uh, when we're dealing with part one, part two, part three, part four, part five, whatever. It's going to apply here. And we're dealing with calculations. And that means we're dealing with amperes. It says, not with a number of anything, we're dealing with amperes. It says, calculations shall be permitted to be rounded to the nearest whole number with decimal fractions smaller than 0.5 dropped. What does that mean? So if I'm dealing with a calculation, whether it's branch, feeder, or service, if I come up with a calculation in amperes, and it is, let's say it's 124.4, then I'm allowed to drop the 0.4 and deal with the whole number. So that'd be 124. If I had a calculation that was 124.7, then because it is, it is uh, 0.5 or greater, then I'm going to round that up to 125, okay? So that's this. Now, notice that it says it shall be permitted. It's not a mandatory statement. So when it says it shall be permitted to be rounded to the nearest whole number, you don't have to do that. I can take the value of if it's 124.5. Uh, let's make it easier. If it's 124.4, not that the other is not difficult, but then I could actually take the value at 124.4 if I want. I'm permitted to drop it down to 124 for my to kind of make my calculation round out a little more easier. Okay, uh, and, and, and also if it was 124.7, all right, I am not required to round it up. I can take it at 124.7 and work my calculation. This is a permissive rule that says that I can round it to the nearest hole. Okay, and I can also drop anything that's smaller than 0.5. So 0.5 and greater, I'm permitted to round up. Okay, there you go. All right, so the next application here is, oh, I should clarify too. It says that I'm permitted to round to the next whole number, okay, with decimal fractions smaller than 0.5 dropped. I don't have to round up, okay? That's why it says it shall be permitted but I am permitted to drop if it's below 0.5, okay? All right, that is all of part one. Uh, there's no significant changes uh, in part one. 
Uh, I just kind of, you know, kind of going over it. I don't really see anything that that stood out uh, in uh, the part one uh, of that. Um, uh, just kind of giving a brief look as I kind of look over and see if there's anything. Uh, no, nothing significant. So I just just want to cover this uh, in a series of multiple broadcasts. So in this one, I just kind of explained it to you, but there's no significant change in here. But if you wanted to learn how these apply, then it's important. Now, some changes do come up in part two. So if you'd like to listen for part two, that'll be coming up shortly. And hopefully you'll uh, get all geared up, get your code book out, get ready. Or actually, since it's a 2020 change, get your 2017 to look at it and then listen as I cover the changes uh, in uh, part two of 220 coming up in the next uh, podcast. Every day the future's getting closer. Every day the future's looking bright. Every day is another beginning.